everything else. Please don't beat me, lady. You're such a screw-up. I no, fucking, I know. I kid. It is a problem I've dealt with perpetually. Just it's from, okay. From the moment of birth, probably, to the moment of death. It's okay. We're getting married, so you're also stuck with me. Imagine how big of a pain in the ass it's going to be for you for the next, like, 35 years. <laughs> Love you. Love you. I don't give myself too long. <laughs> it's like the next 35 years, you know. I'll be uh, not good at math. I'm 29 now. Yeah. So, 64? Yeah. 64 is, you know. Actually, that's more generous than you normally are. <laughs> exactly. My grandfather was 65, his dad was like 65, my dad was 54, so 64, you know. It's a good in-between number. Almost made it. The Brett Bloom story. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting the Mistakes Were Made podcast. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the fresh from work with a brand new satchel, Kristen motherfucking Pennington. What? Goddamn CEO right. CEO up in this bitch? CEO in this bitch. We are CEOs, and we are indeed in this bitch. <laughs> I like your satchel, though. Do you remember where you got it from? I was on Amazon. I don't know the name of the company. Wait, we've got to start writing down these cool things so that we can like give them like go subtle grab my phone and look it up really quick. Turn around and look at the bag. I don't know. <laughs> it's not on the bag, though. <laughs> so Who wants good. the logo on the outside of the bag? It's okay. We wanted to shout out that Etsy store, and then I would be like, "That's a really cool bag," and then I can't, you know, do that. Well, you should have brought it up before you hit the record button. I know. Wasn't thinking about it then. That sounds like a you. And this is a two, two, two star, 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 two, two, Tuesday, day, 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 day. And today we are going over, I believe, 2018s or is it 2017s? 17. Oh, did I not write nope. it on your start? 2017s. 2017s. Truth or dare. Apparently there was a truth or dare from like... 2018. 2015 think... all the way to 2020. They were still like yeah. banging out truth or dare. I think the dares. one in 2018 was actually more popular. That's the one that all the ones in the reviews were saying. They were like, I thought this was the, you know, hypercritically, you know... A praised Acclaimed. one. Yeah. Just spit all over you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so why don't you kick us off? Because I'm, I'm unaware of the new format. <laughs> round two of new format, which I do enjoy. I love new format. I just, I'm We've still only done one round it. of it. How yeah. do you know whether you enjoy it? Well, Today you could decide you hate it. Well, I, apparently, according to this film, I've got 48 hours to do three rounds. Mm-hmm. You do indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so Truth or Dare 2017 got a Rotten Tomato critic score of 0%. That's once a, again. That's a solid score. Once again. Is this our third 0%? Zero. It's second one recorded? It's our second in a row, I believe. <laughs> um, yeah. An audience score of 23%. IMDb had a 5.0, and that seems a little generous. That's right down the middle. A little generous. <laughs> um, it's probably people leaving reviews thinking it was the other one. It's probably <laughs> fucked with their probably. rating system. Probably. I did try to, it took me a minute to find it on IMDb because there are so many things named this. Um, but it was directed by Nick Simon, mm-hmm. who also directed The Girl in the Photographs. Which we've done an episode on. Well, I was yeah. like, that sounds familiar, but it's not like The Girl on the Train and, you know, like all so, that other shit. you should listen to this episode and then go back and listen to The Girl in the Photographs and see which format you like better. Yeah. you can hear us picking apart the same director. Exactly. Um, it was written... I might have to go back and listen to it because I hardly remember that movie. I can't remember <laughs> if I enjoyed that one or not. Uh, I think it was one that we both thought was kind of an interesting premise, but it just fell a little flat. Yeah. I do think it was one that... That really both... narrows it down. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> all of them. 
Uh, it was written by Tommy Hudson, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't write any of them down because none of them were like the first of anything. But like Tommy had written for several like offshoots of stuff. So mm-hmm. there was like a TV series that was like related to Halloween that he worked on, huh. and then. Um, it was like a much further down the line, like say Friday the Thirteenth. Like he had done yeah. several like popular series, but it was like way further yeah. down the line. Offshoots, that he had, yeah. they weren't like original type. So I didn't write any of them down because it wasn't any of the big ones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he had worked on several very popular, um, specifically horror franchises that were kind of offshoots. Yeah. So interesting fact about Tommy. Huh. And then uh, Ethan Lawrence was also a writer on this, and I, I didn't. I don't think recognize. Don't think Ethan was interesting. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> um, only one production company on this one, Sintel Films. Uh, nothing of interest on theirs either. We've never done one of their movies. I don't think so. No, I didn't see anything that I'd recognized. Huh. So, yeah, um, nothing to say about them. But interesting, <laughs> interesting that it's just one production company. It means this movie wasn't so hated that people kept having to pass, pass it around. It pass it. This got completed all the way through by one mm-hmm. team. That's what's up. See, we're giving awards yeah. early. And the, the the new format is... I'm sorry. It but, smells incredible. The, the the hamburgers just hit the grill yeah. for that dude. It smells incredible. <laughs> our entire so. apartment right now smells like wood chips and hamburgers. <laughs> yeah, our balcony door is open and somebody's out there grilling and I'm jealous <laughs> as fuck. That, yeah, I would rather be out there than talking to you fools. <laughs> um... But yeah, our new format, instead of having goods and bads, is broken up into topics, and I did try to at least sort it by, there's a slightly negative topic, and then a slightly positive yeah. topic, and so... So that we kind of yeah, figure out. we're not totally just hating at all times. And you're using a lot of the kids' lingo on this episode. Yeah. You're up in this bitch? Yeah, I am up in this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do a synopsis today? Um. So basically, we've got, how many people is it? Six, nine... Nine, eight. yeah, nine with the original. Yeah, so you got eight people. They're all friends, apparently. And they're all in this house together um, where some odd years ago, uh, a group of people similar to them played a game of truth or dare and became possessed by the house. Only one of them survived. And these guys go in, they decide on the anniversary to play their own game of truth or dare. Shit gets fucking wild because the house is sentient and, you know, has some sort of hatred for a classic middle school game. Yeah. Um, and they have to turn to the original survivor for guidance on how to defeat it, which is you have to go through all three rounds yeah. in the next 48 hours. So yeah, that's the premise of the game. Three rounds, 48 hours, and... Whoever is the last man Imagine standing. Imagine 48 hours of truth or dare. I've played it as an adult for like 15 want... minutes when you're drinking and watching a bonfire. And it's like, I ain't really into getting up. Why don't we just talk about shit? There's a lot of breaks <laughs> in between where they kind of fuck off and do other stuff, though. Yeah. So, to be fair, it's like not 48 chased. straight hours. <laughs> yeah. um, so, characters, because there are so many characters, and this is another film where they're not particularly distinguishable from each other. Yeah. I kind of listed them as the shit they went through. So, take a sip of beer. Um, Alex is what I would guess, I guess. I guess, I guess. 
<laughs> I just got off work. <laughs> it smells fantastic I outside. <laughs> I've been at work all day. I'm already starving. And I just want to have cheese sticks. So <laughs> you're welcome that I'm sitting here, guys. Um, sorry. I'll, I'll find my zen. My, my woo-saw. Okay. So Alex is who I would probably dub as the main character of this film. It's the blonde-haired chick who ends up ultimately potentially being one of the survivors Mm -hmm. whose boyfriend cheats on her. So she's the one who has to make out with her best friend, has to play the Russian roulette. Just like a hardcore escalation right away in the film. (laughs) To be fair, I mean, she does kind of tag team... um, a dare that isn't for her. Yeah, I guess yeah. a dare that isn't for her later. So she does get off pretty rough. But to be fair, her dares out of everybody else's really aren't that bad. It's make out with a person. Russian roulette's pretty bad. It's pretty dodgy, but you pretty can bad. yeah you can play Russian roulette. You know, you spin it and then turn the gun around with your finger off the trigger and look down the cylinder and you can tell where the round is. Yeah, and that's one thing that somebody recommended in like the, I guess it was listed as a goof in the IMDb. It was like, it may not ultimately, depending on the rules of the game, save your life, but you can tell where the bullet is. Yeah, and Russian roulette. I don't think you're allowed to load it the way that they loaded it. Because then they load 50% right away? Like they put three bullets in Mm -hmm. the gun? I bet one bullet... Oh, in my head that they put three. But yeah, you can cheat it that way. Or if you're out there tonight, you're playing Russian roulette with your friends. Uh, For one, stop. And for two, don't do that little wrist slam thing. Not only is it terrible for the gun, but if you want to trick it, spin it until it's almost stopped and then push it in. Because the weight of the bullet in the cylinder will put it above the bottom. Yeah, so she had... Increases your chances drastically. <laughs> she had one bullet, three rounds. So yeah. similar three rounds to the Truth or Dare game. She had to pull the trigger three times. But her only other dare was that she had to kill her friend, which, to be fair, murdering someone is a pretty extreme thing. Yeah. But the only dare that she had that put her at risk was the Russian roulette. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like of everybody else, she got off pretty easy. Yeah, hers would have ended fast as fuck. Like, if she <laughs> fucked that up, she would not be around to know that she fucked that up. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tyler is her boyfriend, who is our um, wannabe doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the one who burns his hand on the stove. They should have established him as an idiot instead of, like, the smart one in the yeah. group. Like, they should have been kind of like What's-His-Nuts on the last film we did mm-hmm. with the it gun. Was Bert or something like that. Yeah, the guy with the AR. Mm-hmm. Like, they should have done that same thing here with Tyler, where it's like, well, he's in med school, but, like, he's he's, he's failing, med, yeah, failing med school, way too distracted with the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> would have been relevant not, yeah. because he also cheated on his girl yeah. not top of his class fucking <laughs> striving for you know medical success yeah he's the character who ultimately shoots himself during the russian roulette game maddie is alex's best friend she's the one he who... shoots himself during the game uh he takes the final bullet in russian roulette the doctor yeah he died way late well yeah the russian roulette comes out like later on, that's round two. Oh, I, in my brain, the I guess I've just categorized these things, but I thought the Russian roulette game happened like in the first sequence before no, they left two. the house. Yeah, uh, round one for her was the makeout. Round two was Russian roulette for her. Because didn't one of them just grab the gun and go click click click? No. What the fuck am I? Okay, no. I'm not remembering this movie. <laughs> you were drunk. <laughs> um, so yeah, Maddie's the cheater. Um, she's the one who has to yank her teeth out, and she's the one that Alex's dare says to kill her. 
Jesse and Luke are boyfriend and girlfriend as well. Jesse is the one who has to eat the burned flesh, which yeah. I feel like in the grand scheme of things probably wasn't that difficult of a dare either. No, no. And then she's the one who gets chained to the pipe and yeah. eaten by cockroaches. Luke is the one who gets his knee smashed and then robs a gas station. Holt is our only heftier character who gets electrocuted <laughs> and then run over. Carter's but he's hefty, so like, did hefty. I mean the electrocution lasted like point two seconds? Mm-hmm. He got tackled. He didn't. Like the second yeah. he touched it. So I mean, that's like, oh fuck this. Okay, God, it's over. Um, and then he got ran over, but he's a big fat guy. So like, got a bit a, more. A car. It was a big car though. It was like a Bronco. <laughs> I mean, granted, but I mean, you, you aim gut to the bumper there, dude. It was like, a big car. Fucking... I'm pretty sure it smashed his face. Yeah, he died. <laughs> but uh, he, he had a fighting chance. He should have jumped up on the windshield, <laughs> killed the driver. <laughs> Carter is the filmmaker of the crew. He's the one that gets hung, and he was also in Girl in the Photographs. Mm-hmm. He was one of the bad guys. So. Uh, I guess him and the director had a good working relationship with each other because they came back together. And he was one of the most interesting characters in this film. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, most interesting looking as well. Most interesting looking, most conflicted. You know? um, sorry, I know I'm kind of blowing through these. I'm just trying no, to get through fine. the characters so we can actually get into the episode because there are so many. <laughs> um, Addison's the addict who tells a lie and gets herself killed. Like, what a what a lame way to die. All you had to do was admit the truth. Are you a pill addict? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I have the, there's Just pills. tell the truth. Cool, round one over. That's easier than make out. <laughs> and then Donna is our original survivor from the first game. Yeah. So I'm not going to remember any of these names. I'm going to either be constantly flipping back and forth or just referring to these people by how they died. That'll work. Because <laughs> there are so fucking many characters. I don't have the same amount of notes as Kristen for the new format, so I've got a little bit of a chance to maybe drill some of these names in until I have to also flip my piece of paper. <laughs> um, which, speaking of all these fucking characters, brings us into our first topic. God damn right. Are these characters relatable characters? <sighs> on any level whatsoever? Well, the point that I brought up and the point that's here on notes... Dear audience, <laughs> peek behind the curtain. We thought to write down notes as we went on this, you know, mm-hmm. adventure, you know, while we're watching the thing. Test out this new format. And I realized something about the genre as a whole that I don't think that I've I've thought about ever. Just because you have Holt in the middle of these line of supermodel people, mm-hmm. you know, there are no normal looking people in film. Why is that? Why is there not, you know, like your average... Sex sells. Sex does sell, but if you've got eight people, sex can sell on one or two of the eight. Everybody else can be, you know, 10, 15 pounds overweight. Yeah. You know, they they don't need to be, and no offense to the actor who played Holt, uh, obese, you know, to any level. They could just be a little pudgy. Yeah, and that is a... I guess I've never thought too much about it either. That is an interesting... In any film, it's not even specifically just the horror genre. Like, everybody is either six packs and, like, supermodels and, like, all this stuff, or... You could just have a dude that looked like the subway guy who raped those kids. Like, (laughs) Or it's the the fat, funny character. Like, there is no just average person, for the most part. Like, and the fat character almost always has to poke fun at the fact that they're fat, you know? It's very rarely what a lot of my larger friends, you know, are, which is they're the smarter guy, you know? They're better at talking to women, for the Mm -hmm. most part, you know? Like, the guys of that build like 
height wise, there's no. Sometimes they're very insecure, you know. <laughs> height wise, I feel like there's no real range either. Like yeah. everybody's always got to be taller. Yeah, like the only no <laughs> short people are just kind of like, oh, that's the you know average height person. Like they're all thin and tall. Yeah. I was, so I was going to be like, you know who did it right? Rob Zombie, the fucking tiny who's like fucking eight foot three, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't. Like, it, it, it is, you know, standard California, you know? Like, that. that's what, what they always seem to use. And I just think it would be a little more interesting, and maybe you could even use that to your advantage if you found somebody who looked like a normal person from, I don't fucking, like Idaho, you know, you're like, this is Idaho Becky. She works at the supermarket. You could get Idaho Becky that works at the supermarket. You don't need a model who needs uh, some money for this weekend to play an extra at the supermarket. Well, I think the thing for me that I'm pretty sure we talked about while we were watching it is the, the most interesting thing is like, these are relatively flat characters. Like they're not yeah. very fleshed out characters. And I feel like if you're not going to take the time to flush the characters out. It helps to at least have some area where the audience can relate and like, um, you know, with everything going on, I've not been hitting the gym remotely. Well, that's where the thought sprung up. Yeah. Yeah. And like probably drinking way too many beers to tolerate the Uh, situation we're in (laughs) and like watching this movie, it's like, I'm not really the fat character, but in this instance, I'm definitely the fat character. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> so be viewed like, as the fat guy. You yeah. know? <laughs> so, like, kind of having that realization watching it is like, oh, shit, I would be the fat character, wouldn't yeah. I? Because I'm definitely not the super So, it got me so. thinking, like, the, what movies do we have, like, mid-range characters? Mm-hmm. And it's very rare. Yeah. But it I, would do so much to, like, establish... Like, like, you see it in comedies, right? Like Yeah, I think, like... You see Adam Sandler take his shirt off and be like, he's not a fat dude, but yeah. he's just, like, an older guy with low metabolism. I know you haven't seen it, but there's a com- or a rom-com called Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Jason mm-hmm. Siegel is, uh, I guess, the main male character. And you're, credit, a, you're like, you haven't seen it, but is it Jason Siegel? I don't know. <laughs> well, I was <laughs> trying to remember if that's what his name was, to be honest. I know, I know it's the... Dude from How I Met Your Mother that oh, plays okay. Marshall. Um, I think his name's Jason Siegel. Yeah, his name popped right in my head when you mentioned How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Um, but anyway, he, I mean, he's a very tall dude, so he's yeah. still tall. Yeah, but he yeah. is a average build, but not, like, pudgy character, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, he is, like, I, I guess, like, the only movie, really, I can think of offhand <laughs> where it's, like, and maybe it's just because he's a comedian and he gets a pass. Like, yeah. The only character in that whole movie where he's like just kind of an average looking dude. Like the other characters are like Mila Kunis, Russell Brand, and Kristen mm-hmm. Bell, who are all like super skinny. So, yeah, I think that's the only one offhand that I can be like, oh, yeah, he's kind of an average dude. Like, for the <laughs> most part, it is just supermodels or tubby people. Yeah, The Hangover does well. But again, they're all comedies. Like, it, maybe it's just a genre thing. Yeah. You know, comedy doesn't take itself seriously. That's the whole point. So you can have characters like a, you know, a, what's his nuts, a Jonah Hill, you know, type guy, which now Jonah Hill 
has lost a lot he's of weight. lost a lot of weight and he looks like a normal dude mm-hmm. you know and he could still get roles like that i feel like tv does do it a sometimes bit more. like tv like the office for instance like all of those characters for the most part look pretty average yeah they're all mid-range for the most part yeah so um, I, I feel like tv pulls it off a little bit more successfully but yeah. film it is like we went out and found especially but, low budget horror films it's yeah. like we went out and found like Want to be supermodels, and mm-hmm. that's our whole cast. <laughs> but, like, again, it's it's comedies as opposed to horrors. And, like, why is horror trying to take itself that seriously? Nobody else takes us that seriously. Like, you very rarely wind up with, like, the Oscar-winning horror film, you know? <laughs> and I wonder if that's why. Like, if they know this isn't going to be the best movie there ever was, so they try to pull you in... By having characters Sex. like yeah, yeah, like sexy characters. So you want to see big titted girl running down the street, mm-hmm. like scared out of her mind. So I wonder if that's part of it. Well, I wish we would just lean in on the hereditary model, where it's like just make a fucking incredible story. You know. I think I'm gonna have to shut that if he doesn't quit. Okay. Um, but they did a do. They did did a do. <laughs> that's do. what they did. They did a do. <laughs> Uh, they did do a good job with some of the relationships, uh, not so good with others. Like there were interesting conflicts between the characters. Like they established really early um, when Tyler knows it. One of the people in the love triangle had to admit that they Maddie. cheated on the other person. Yeah, yeah, Maddie had to admit she fucked Tyler. And that creates this instant divide between those three characters and also between those three characters as a whole and the rest of the five. Yeah. You know, that you've created an other inside of that situation. I wish, though, that they had expanded on it a bit more because, like, my problem that I was, like, super frustrated with when we got that far in the movie is, like, how compelling the moment was and it, like, completely gets underplayed and never brought back up again. So when we were watching it, like, as a, a woman who has definitely been in some shady relationships in the past, yeah. like, when there's a cheater involved, I'm always like, that motherfucker, you yeah. know? So, the boyfriend, in my opinion, is probably the most responsible for the cheating because he's the one in a committed relationship. So, Tyler is the one who takes the bulk of the blame. So, mm-hmm. I can get to some extent, maybe, if... um Alex had decided to dump Tyler or whatever and try to repair her relationship with Maddie. Yeah. Is her name Maddie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on my end, I probably would have been like, fuck you both. But um, I feel like Tyler, as the person in the relationship, has the most responsibility. Yeah. And so when later in the movie, we're kind of presented these scenarios that kind of pit the girlfriend and the mistress against each other like i feel like those should have been played up way more because in real life i would have been way more pissed off like maddie has to pull her teeth out as one of her challenges Mm -hmm. and tyler like they um decide to kind of share each other's burdens and help each other get through these situations because at this point they've already gone and met donna i think and she's kind of explained to them if you don't do this together you're not going to succeed so Tyler takes Maddie's challenge with her. Maddie pulls out one, or he pulls out one of Maddie's teeth, and then Tyler has somebody else pull out one of his mm-hmm. teeth. And then when we get to the Russian roulette scene, almost immediately after this, Alex is Tyler's girlfriend. Yeah. 
Tyler sits and watches Alex pull the trigger against her own head twice. That's what I was thinking. Like, in my head, I thought she squeezed it three times, but she does just do it twice well, a, and then a, hands the gun back, right? It's not immediate. Like, she pulls it, and then she kind of takes a breath and then pulls it again, yeah. and then Maddie steals the gun from her. So the, the quote-unquote mistress steals the gun from Alex, mm-hmm. I guess, trying to, like... Maybe pay penance like I fucked your boyfriend. I'll take this final. Either that bullet. or trying to prove, you know, I love you more. You yeah, know. I don't. Yeah, and I mean, and that would have been a really interesting way of building that up. Like the yeah, I'm not mistress. letting this bitch make all the sacrifices, and we can't each pull at once. Yeah, so <laughs> like I, I don't. That situation could have been played way more. And then Tyler, which it's so. It's so subtle the way it happens is what kind of irritates me is Tyler goes up to Maddie before Maddie can pull the trigger and Maddie's the the side chick, takes the gun from Maddie, shoots himself in the head. And then, of course, immediately Alex, his girlfriend, is the one crying next to his body and then she pulls Maddie down with her and they're both crying next to the body together. And I was like, wait a minute. Slow down. (laughs) Yeah. Like, just a few minutes ago, he was willing to pull a tooth, which in the grand scheme of things is not the worst thing that could happen to you. He pulls out his own tooth so Maddie doesn't have to suffer twice. Yeah. His own girlfriend points a gun at her head and pulls the trigger twice and he doesn't do anything doesn't to stop it. Doesn't even protest. Yeah, doesn't try to take the gun from her or anything. The second that gun is in his mistress's hand, he's like, nope, I'm taking this yeah. one. I and think ends up we, dead. I think we found out who Tyler was in love with yeah. all along and neither one of the women even notices it. Yeah, it <laughs> doesn't get addressed the whole it rest of the It could have been a whole nother layer of conflict now that yeah. you've got. And like could have like built tension. But instead they get to die side by side, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like we'll that get could to have it. been such a tension builder yeah. in this relationship. Like it's I and I don't know if it was purposeful on the writer's part like if they thought that out like he's gonna try to save his side girl instead of his actual or if it's just coincidence in the writing but like the second i saw it i was like that was an opportunity i always have hope in opportunities like that that that's something that got left behind by an editor after the fact or even in the filming process if maybe they just didn't think it was that important but i was like somebody missed the poetry because they were rushing a schedule. <laughs> yeah, like twice in a row he comes to the aid of the side chick and mm-hmm. never for his actual girlfriend. And I, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, we could have definitely seen, especially because later on, um, Alex and Maddie have this, like, horrific scene where they're chopping off each other's body parts. Yeah. Like, there could have been so much anger and resentment in that scene. Like, mm-hmm. I'll take your fucking foot off. You slept <laughs> with my boyfriend and my boyfriend died saving yep. your life. And then... There's that whole scene in the car where it's like killer, and she's just like, oh, I'm just going to drive us both into a tree nope. because I can't deal. Could have driven the rage all the way yeah. up. Yeah. Been like, fuck it. it. I can't deal. I'm killing us yeah. both, you bitch. I need you to know? differentiate us from Saw in one sort of fashion. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, there was like, I I would have, I was angry. Yeah. For her, like in real well, life, you know, I would have been so angry. I say Saw, and I say Saw all the time, but one of the, uh, Saw films is the the dad whose kid was killed by the driver, mm-hmm. um, and then he goes fucking insane after the guy's let free, you know, mm-hmm. and so he wakes up in this box on a forklift. It breaks, and he has to go through his his entire trap is to forgive these people, set mm-hmm. them free, so that he can use them to help him, mm-hmm. you know, solve the other traps. 
And the most famous kill in that movie, which is I... Is that the one where it twists him? Yeah, yeah, the crucifix. I think it's number four. It might be number five, but it's one of the best ones of the entire series, you know, plot-wise. And he stands there as the guy's dying, and he's screaming at him, you did this to yourself, you son of a bitch, and doesn't realize until near the end that he's just watching a man die. Okay, wait, you and I are thinking of two different ones. No, the crucifix. No, I'm thinking of there's a different one where... The, he's in a thing like this. Is and his a black arm, kid? Yeah, and his yeah, arm no, starts so twisting. The the dude's like begging for it to stop. Like he doesn't at, want at him the to end, die. Yeah. But at the beginning, he's screaming at him. I don't remember that. You, I just remember him this. like hugging him, like basically begging yeah. it to stop. Well, like he, I think he lets both of his legs break. And then when it starts going the other direction, like definitely by the time it's twisting his head around, because that's how that scene ends mm. is he's holding his head yeah. and he gives the kid the forgiveness that he needs. But at the beginning, he's pacing back and forth and being like, no, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't sticking my yeah. hand in the gun box. Yeah, I was going to say, he has to put himself yeah. in harm's way to yeah. save him. There's a remember. key inside of the box and he has to reach in and grab it, but the key's tied to the trigger of a shotgun. Doesn't so when he pulls else the get key... Shot? In that scene? Um, I think he figures it out, and there was somebody that he saved, the judge who survived the pig trap, where he he was drowning in all the pig guts and mm-hmm. shit like that. I want to say he's standing behind it, so when the trigger gets pulled and he's figured out how to pull the trigger, the shotgun goes off and hits the judge in the chest, so he loses the judge and he mm-hmm. loses the black kid in the See, same. That's some poetry in your it, group. That's what I'm saying, though. Is th- that's how you introduce something. You introduce, yeah, fuck you, until it reaches a point where you find your humanity and forgiveness for the other person. And that could have been done in this yeah. Maddie and Alex yeah, scenario. Yeah, like a real world, if I had to like relate to this on a personal level, if you cheated on me with another chick, like first of all, period, I'd be furious if we were yeah. in just a normal real life situation. But if we were in this like weird, we might all die situation, and then... I watched you die because you were saving the other woman. I'd be so mad at you and I'd be so mad at her. Like, I wouldn't just be like, well, we got to get through this together. I'd be like, you bitch, he died for you. So I just lost the dude I loved because of you. There would at least be a lot of screaming if not them trying to kill one another. Yeah. I mean, there were... like, when it came down to the cut some body parts, I'd be ripping some hair out of <laughs> so her head. Starting with your head, dumb bitch. <laughs> like, oh, you want some body here? Let me just rip a chunk of hair. <laughs> like, I, like, that could have been so much more, like, poetically painful. Yeah, nobody, nobody's fleshed out. None of the conflict is ever resolved. Nobody seems to mourn when somebody dies. Yeah. Like, there is absolutely no, we're friends. At any point. <laughs> yeah, and like even whenever... He has trusted enough to come, you know, to this big house party. Seance chick, background in seance, goes right out the fucking window. <laughs> she's like, we could do a seance. And then the second chick gets weird. She's like, why is the devil harassing us? It's like, I don't know. You read all the books, you dumb the, cunt. the addict. She's the first one to die, ironically. <laughs> but yeah, like... <laughs> two couples in this group and like even whenever the dude gets shot at the gas station we do kind of have this slight moment where she's like oh god and then she calls them up and they all go back to the house together the gas station scene was fucking beautiful 
mm-hmm. with the he's exception of at her, her. When he gets shot. Yeah, that that's how this should have been played out throughout. Like he goes in there against his will. He doesn't want to fucking do this. He asks for a dollar. He, he tries to steal the candy or something. That, and that's what gets him yeah. shot. He goes, I don't give a shit if you give me everything or you give me one dollar. I just need to do this right now. And then he just tries to get away with like a take five and catches a shotgun blast. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful like right before it happens yeah it's brilliant because you sympathize with the character having to undergo this horrific experience yeah and like the only grief we see on her end is that moment of like shock and then she hops in the car and drives away and she never brings up dead boyfriend again it's just like well he's He's, he's gone now yeah that's it (laughs) which one was that that got killed in the luke yes luke's the one who gets killed in the gas station and then yeah his girlfriend I didn't Incredible. feel that. Oh. I didn't feel that bad that she got eaten alive by cockroaches because uh, I was just like, ah, well, who cares? <laughs> who gives a fuck? <laughs> but yeah, Luke might be the only one that I truly give a shit about throughout the entire thing. Holt went out like a straight up Puerto Rican. <laughs> like I've seen that look on my buddy Davenport's face. I grew up with this kid, and he's awesome, and he too is a chunky Puerto Rican Aww. kid. And um, he, he he gets so built up in this scene because he already did the ballsiest shit anybody's done so far, which is grab that wire and trust the white boy to tackle. For some reason, foamed at the mouth. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll, we'll, thank God he was there being saved by, you know, uh, fucking... That's a later topic. Doctor, yeah. what's his nuts? Um, <clears throat> we got yeah, to bounce the, into some positive stuff here. We can't go straight well, into Well, beds. I'm going into <laughs> a, a positive. He, he, he went straight Puerto Rican. He got that message. It was like, message received, sir, and ran in front of the first fucking car. Not a shit to give in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, besides kind of a theme that's going to come up here in a little bit though my favorite part of this movie was like all the kind of like some of them were cheesy as fuck but all the kind of neat props yeah like i think your favorite was the tv right yeah i i I would never want that tv in my apartment but that is a beautiful like horror thing you know i like old dusty antiques are my favorite thing to use in horror hence the dolls like i wanted a specific time frame on ceramic dolls because they're callous they're cold. They're not comforting. They're not plastic. So that you know, they're they're fragile things. Cotton. And that's what they used to teach little girls. You know how to hold babies with these things. Where if you drop them on the ground, they shatter. So I find them beautiful when you can find a really cool one. And I would fill up a whole shelf of them like a eighty year old woman if you know I could. I like that or the little ballerina music box. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of the recent films that we've watched, I like those antiques and things. And this is like a 80s, maybe late 70s, early 80s retro television like set. one of those ones that's built into the big box with the speakers. Yeah, it is the entertainment system, just all on its own. It sits way too low on the ground. And the TV's kind of small in the center. I, I the, the speakers were blown out and the, the face of the TV was cracked. Was cracked. Yeah. And I was like, they probably found that in the junkyard and that is the best prop in this entire film. The CGI was a bit silly, like the way this, I mean, which we did it too. We pulled up a YouTube video for the static and happy birthday. Spoiler alert on <laughs> how we did yeah. our stuff. Turns out TVs these days, really hard to make them static. <laughs> <laughs> but like even the static in this movie looked CGI and then there's... Some silly stuff with like the windows having boards flying at them to board them up that looked just yeah, horrific. Yeah, it was terrible. But um, 
It yeah. looked like when you played uh, the old Call of Duty games and you played zombie modes. And you, you, did you ever do that? Mm -mm. It's like a zombie mode and they would send like a wave of five and then you'd kill those and you'd get points. And you'd accumulate these points which you could use to build fortifications. It was like when you went over to the window, they got slapped on from the outside of the fucking window. And that's exactly <laughs> what that looked like. That's hilarious. That may have been where the inspiration <laughs> came from. So no, yeah, there's some pretty horrifically cheesy stuff like that. And uh, like the opening where the acid bucket slides across the floor looks pretty silly yeah. too. But they did make pretty cool use of, we bring up cell phones and stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. So like we established supernaturally early on, they went into the house and had cell phone service. And then as soon as the game starts, they no longer have cell phone yeah. service. But the game can text them. So whenever one of them lies, all it says is it sends all of them a text that says liar. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool. And then, um, shoot, there's one more time where the phone does something. I can't remember, but like. Shows the video of one of them getting killed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the game texts them a video of Carter mm -hmm. hanging himself. Yeah. And um, the the camera too on his phone, like the way it follows him around looked really neat. So mm -hmm. like the camera's almost like. An eye. Yeah. Like it's a whole extra person. And like that whole sequence right before he gets killed where he's seeing um, the chick that was the attic, mm -hmm. like dead in his room, but he can only see her on his cell phone. Mm -hmm. And then she starts writing on the wall and on the cell phone, you can't that see. That was so fucking yeah, sick. Yeah, on the cell phone, you can't see anything at all. And then he looks up and there's just blood slowly writing. Yeah. Like that was a cool little trick. Definitely a, a callback to that. God, I'm forgetting everything. <laughs> um is it they live the the carpenter movie with the sunglasses mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it was definitely a callback to that where he looks at the sign and then he puts on the glasses and it just says obey like <laughs> but this one was moving it was uh, that was a beautiful scene as well i forgot all about yeah, that. yeah and you called it too because like you could see her writing on the camera yeah. but there was nothing going on you were like oh when he looks up it's gonna be writing on the wall <laughs> so that was pretty cool and I do, I, I think the CGI on some of the cards was kind of silly. Like the cards like flying around quite as much as they did was a bit silly. Yeah. But the fact that the cards kind of wrote themselves mm -hmm. and like whenever, um, shoot, I think it's whenever the girl first lies about cheating, like the cards all say like something similar or whenever yeah. Tyler refuses to do the dare or something like that, all the cards like Yeah, because they're thinking that it's a prank that um, Carter was playing on everybody. Yeah. So, like, all the cards change to whatever's, re like, relevant, mm -hmm. and then the cards kind of choose you. So, that that was... It's a neat premise. Like, the CGI is a little heavy-handed. You will get this task. Yeah. Like, the CGI is a little heavy-handed at times, but there were a lot of really neat, um, like, use of various props mm -hmm. in this movie that it was like, oh, fuck. Like, you're doomed. <laughs> so, props on that. Props on the props. Goddamn right. You just banged them all right out of the park. <laughs> Switching my paper. Nobody's going to know who the characters are now. Are you ready for that world? I yeah, forgot them a while ago. Um, you've got here written on the piece of paper. I do. The use of trauma. Because you constantly bring it up. I, I think it's important so in it's these a note times. For you. It's as important as having to handle the cell phone for me. Is we live in a world now that was not where the classics came out of. You know, this isn't the '60s, '70s, '80s where all of our films that we grew up with kind of, you know, they're two different worlds. I have a theory that our entire generation is fucked. Because we watched 9-11 when we were like in the 5th and 6th grade. I was in 7th. 
You're just a, I was you're in, just a yeah, baby. I was in the fifth grade. <laughs> My teacher tried to use it as a teachable moment because only one of the buildings had been hit. We didn't know what was going on yet. As a teachable moment, this is the New York City skyline. Where's New York City, you might ask? It's in New York. And then started like explaining the history of the Twin Towers because he was, you know, a big buff on those were the biggest buildings. Trying not to panic himself. Well, nobody knew what happened. Everybody thought it was an accident. All uh, we knew was there was a hole in one of the buildings. And so oh, we're so it watching. Hadn't collapsed yet? No. And so he's got it on the little TV on the rolling stand, and he's got his back to it, and he's holding his hand when the second plane came into oh. flame and hit the fucking building. Jesus. And I just remember him being like, yeah, way back in da-da-da-da-da, holy fuck. And then he ran out of the room. Did not even turn off the television set. All of the teachers were in the hallway trying to figure out what the fuck we were going to do with the kids during the entire situation. They all missed the towers falling. Jesus. And we were alone in a classroom watching it happen live on TV. Watched the little dude fall out of the fucking building. You know, like, all of that. First tower going down, then the teacher runs in. He's so shocked in the doorway, he doesn't fucking move. Second tower goes down, he finally gets a sense of, I might traumatize these kids. Yeah, maybe turn yeah. this off. so I have a feeling that that is why we're so much more accepting um, here in America um, of trauma, you know, where our parents not, you know, they, they weren't necessarily accepting of it prior to 9-11. And so I think it's a necessity in horror to have some element of a person overcoming a trauma, mm-hmm. both an inside conflict and an outside conflict. And sometimes they line up. Sometimes the inner drives the outer. But am I explaining this? Yeah. In like a, a smart way. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a reason why you make decisions. And post 9-11 America, a lot of that is there was a before that moment in our country and an after that moment. And everything before it and the moment itself has influenced the entire world that I've lived in since I was in the fifth grade. Yeah. And that's part of the reason I wrote that down on here. I don't a long-winded way to get there. (laughs) I don't know that this movie really super successfully pulled it off, but I could kind of see hints of it. So first and foremost, it's kind of strange to have a haunting type movie where you get to leave the house. Usually once you're in the house, the story is not ending. But this one stays with them mentally. Yeah. So like typically in these type of situations, the story is not ending until the night is done. Whatever is happening is done. And like, these characters only lose one person, so the chick that's the addict dies, and then they all get to leave the house, and they think that they're done. Like, we did a couple of the rounds, we yeah. lost a person, that's it. And We did three rounds, technically, in, you know, that house. Not all, not each of them, but as a collective, they completed some of the yeah, rounds. So maybe, yeah, maybe they thought they had done enough challenges that that was it but technically they hadn't even finished the first round but these characters leave the house and i was like whoa wait a minute we've left the house and yeah that fucked me up i I did not like that at first well yeah i didn't like it at first (laughs) but like i appreciate the fact that it established that it's not specifically just the house that's after them like there's this something spirit or entity Mm -hmm. or whatever that has now attached itself to them and like you can equate that with Trauma. When you yeah, when you live through a traumatic situation, so a girl died before they got to leave the house. They all saw it happen. They all saw her impelled body. Yeah. They all had to go to the 
I think it was a hospital for some reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because dude had, had his leg mm-hmm. smashed and all that. So they were all at the hospital talking to the cops. And... Still not giving a shit about each other in the hospital, by yeah. the way. Showed up dressed all hoey. Yeah, <laughs> and then they all kind of go their own separate ways, and we get to see Alex and Maddie, who I guess live together in a dorm, like, unable to cope with the fact that, you know, the secret is out, and they've cheated, and they can't really deal with the situation, and they can't really talk about the fact that they're sad that the other girl died. And then we see yeah. Luke and <laughs> Jesse like laying in bed together and can't talk to each other at all. And she's like, fine, I'm just going to go take a shower, you know? Yeah. And like all these like now broken, changed relationships where they don't know how to deal with each other and they don't know how to talk to each mm-hmm. other until they realize the game isn't over. I don't know why specifically they have to go back to the house, but according to Donna, it started there. You should go finish it there. In my opinion, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near that house. I'd have... Well, it doesn't seem like they have much of a choice. Yeah, I feel like I'd keep playing the game in the safety of my dorm somewhere besides that house. It's like, let's do it on my terms. Yeah. We're going to fight this off in like... my therapist's office. I'm yeah. not leaving my therapist's office. Come get me. Or the cops or something. I feel like if you're playing in the spirits territory... Yeah. You're definitely at a disadvantage because it has acid buckets, apparently. Yeah. Um, Which is, again, a beautifully poetic way to look at trauma. You know, and if you're out there and you're dealing with something, we're all out here, we're all dealing with something. You know, we got this, I don't know if you've heard about it. It was a long time ago, but there (laughs) used to be this thing called COVID-19. And it fucked up everything. And I'm sure that... It's a it's it's a long forgotten thing of the past. There was no second wave. Nobody died. Um... I forgot where I was going with that. Well, they have to go back to the house to face... Yeah, but I guess that's where I was going with that, is you're probably, you know, a lot of you poetically dealing with trauma on trauma's doorstep because you can't go see your therapist. You can't distract yourself even by going to a bar. You know, like you're dealing with trauma on trauma's ground. Uh, So, you know, reach out as you can to who you can. Don't try to fight this shit on its doorstep fight it from your apartment you know this is my battle station now and i will call my friend heather every day at two <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon or whoever the fuck it don't is don't call your cheating ex-best friend though. unless you've had 15 or 16 vodka shots in which case let loose <laughs> the thing that i like about the fact that they do go back to the house although internally if i'm fighting an evil spirit i'm not wanting to go back to the house yeah i'm viewing it as trauma yeah but well that's where i feel like there is a bit of a metaphor like a lot of people when there's a traumatic event in their life i feel like tend to repress it or like Mm -hmm. don't acknowledge it don't deal with it and then it's harder to kind of move past it and overcome it and that's i feel like one of the common things like when you go to therapy it's like let's talk about this let's deal with this let's process this and so then going back to the house is technically a representation of them going back to the event to face it and attempt to overcome it. Which Which is important. I'm just saying, you know, if you've got a father out there who beat the shit out of you and the (laughs) bastard's still alive, maybe don't go directly to him. Go to a therapist. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's a bit of a metaphor. Meditate. Smoke a shitload of weed and try to sit in the dark (laughs) for 30 minutes. Your brain will tell you what's wrong. (laughs) It's a bit of a a metaphor to go back to the house. I'm not saying literally go back to the house, but mentally kind of process the event, you know. And um, the metaphor gets lost pretty much as soon as we go back to the house. But I, I do... 
like that, that we leave the house and have this brief moment, even though we as the viewer all know that the game isn't over. Mm -hmm. We have this brief moment where we see these characters thinking it's done. It's like, I got you, bitch. I'm here. You can't hurt me a second time. Yeah, Yeah. but they can't actually cope with it, and then they have to go back and reface it again. So I, I think it could have been expanded on a bit more, but it is kind of this... You know what Perfect I love, metaphor. What I love about having these conversations once a week with you and specifically bringing up kind of the same ideas, you know, as we feel our way through our reviews of these films. Um, Lose your train of thought? I did. What do you love? You. Besides me. <laughs> um, that we learn each other's perspectives? That we've found specifically um, about the trauma situation, the the faults of a lot of these films is they don't like lean in to what it is. They're mm-hmm. trying to hide behind the monster, the gimmicks, you, the jump yeah. scares. They're behind the curtain, little man behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need a CGI dog to convey trauma. Show me how that character feels. You're right there. You know, it's like a blowjob that doesn't make you come. <laughs> like, like even... it felt good the whole time, but you completely <laughs> fucked the metaphor. <laughs> we didn't even technically really have to finish the game. We could have sort of continued the game and ultimately had these two women coming back to this incident. Yeah. And then fighting each other and dealing with their situation. Like it didn't necessarily. And thinking it's the house that's driving them to that, but it's just themselves and you lose the paranormal. Just let that shit go. It doesn't exist. We have this weird moment where I think it's Alex, if I'm remembering right, says, like, oh, the game is has chosen us because of our own obsessions and our own faults and stuff like that. And at no point in the movie do we establish enough about these characters to know what their obsessions or their faults or whatever are like i think the best one is it it is the best paranormal trauma thing yeah not the movie go read that long ass book dive into that shit beverly gets gang raped as a child by all of the other kids then they are all adults for part two and they're all trying to deal with the fact that they gang rape their best friend. Yeah, I think, I think in this <laughs> That's movie, why it can never be made into a film. <laughs> I think in this movie, the only time they really establish anything is when Hulk comes down and confesses he was involved in a hit and run. Yeah. And then he's then run over himself. And that's the only time we really have a moment where it's like, oh, this is the mistake that you've made. Like the This is a true redemptive yeah. path. Like yeah. the chick that gets eaten alive by the cockroaches, she's like, I don't have any faults. And like her her fault, I guess, is she's afraid of cockroaches. She stomped yeah. a cockroach at the beginning and then gets eaten alive by cockroaches. It's like we don't one of them's addicted to pills in the middle of the opioid epidemic. It's like I think it's impaled that like that's her death as she gets. She doesn't even overdose. Yeah, so like I feel like if this movie had kind of expanded on first of all the tension between um, this love triangle we've essentially created, yeah. and then whatever each character's supposed fault is, like we could have really had like this saw. I mean, not to say that it could be on that level, but this saw esque movie of what is your redemptive moment and mm-hmm. do you get there do you want yourself to still be around this much yeah so 
like the house was a, a nice metaphor. I did actually, after I kind of had this moment to like think about what it meant, like I did kind of appreciate the fact that we left the house and then had to choose to go back to the yeah. house. But um, it, yeah. it's what I always say, concept on fucking point. Just I need to read the script. Execution, not so much. Yeah. You know what the move is? Is I wonder if there's a way that we could send things to these production companies and be like, can you send me the script so I know what the original intent Probably is? Probably not. <laughs> well, some of these smaller ones, like these guys. Like, I'm not going to hit up Universal like, hey, I've got five people that listen to my podcast. Like, <laughs> apparently they all live in El Salvador. <laughs> they don't speak English or they write me a fucking email. Um, you know, but that, that would be a fun experiment. What was the original intent of the author here because mm -hmm. I, I hate to break it to you ladies and gentlemen uh, you, you hate us for saying uh, you should read the book you should read the fucking book because even the people that wrote the thing uh, they that's where the brain came from like you, there was a writer even if it's not a film based on a novel there is a writer who wrote the screenplay that is a written entity that was interpreted the same way as you can interpret Hamlet and you can buy Hamlet in a bookstore. To be fair, though, <laughs> like, there are definitely scripts with plot holes. It's not always, yeah, it's not always. a filmmaker's problem. Sometimes, Sometimes it's, a, it's a writer's yeah. issue. But if it was solely a writer's issue, it would have got caught by the person making the film if that person also read. So it's a people don't read issue. I think it's a people don't expand on the idea issue. Like people... Yeah. I think in the entertainment industry in general are looking for what's going to sell and not the purpose, mm -hmm. which is, I think, honestly, my biggest issue with this movie in particular is what is the purpose? Like, we yeah. never clearly establish any of the rules in this. So, um, first off, off the bat, like, it becomes very clear at the end of the movie that the game that they're playing is not a fair game, even though... They go yeah. to Donna's house, and Donna's like, you can outsmart this game if you just work together. Yeah, you just have to do the Saw thing. You yeah. just have to go in. There's 15 of you. You have to come up with a quarter of blood. It doesn't have to come out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, and, like, they don't... It doesn't have to come out of one person, you know, a little bit out of everybody against, you know, having to wind up at the end of, like, Saw 8, where they're having to dr fucking drive their hands through, you know, saw blades. Yeah. And, like, I, I feel like I'm okay with the game being unfair, but we need to establish that the game's not fair. Like, you mm -hmm. can't go to the original Survivor and her, her be like, you can outsmart this, you can do this. And then immediately, as soon as we start playing the game again, we realize the game isn't a fair game. Like, I get um, the girl that was the addict refused to tell the truth, so she died. I get that Carter didn't um, actively choose to hang himself, so he got hung until he died. But when Holt goes to get run over by the car, he voluntarily is like, I am willing to be run yeah. over. They can't get the car to Hit start. Me. Yeah, the hood traps him. The car backs up and then runs his whole like yeah. face, everything over. So he's definitely dead. And he was actively volunteering. Yeah, as I said, Puerto Rican them shit in there. It's like, <laughs> fuck it, that's my mission. <laughs> yeah, and like, I mean... Been listening to a lot of Joey Diaz recently, <laughs> so I'm not being racist against Puerto Ricans. I love you guys' drive, even though Joey that, Diaz is Cuban. I don't think Cuban. that actor was Puerto Rican, though. I'm pretty sure he was just a white dude, but... They tanned him. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, he, he was volunteering to be run over, and then whenever 
Um, Jessie tries to go down to the basement to chain herself to the pole. The door shuts out the other two friends. Yeah. So I, there's not there's an opportunity. no way for them to play all together. Yeah. And like, I mean, she could have chained herself to the pole. She definitely still would have been eaten by cockroaches. So maybe you can put some blame on her for not chaining herself to the pole. But mm-hmm. it gives you so little time to accomplish the task. And when they try to work together, it's no longer an option. So it's like... Like, what is the rule of this universe? Yeah. They gave you all the chaos of the late Saw films without giving you the first three Saw films. <laughs> it's like, oh, the rules don't quite make sense, but it's only because plot twist. It's run by, you know, Amanda instead of, yeah. you know, the original guy. But the original guy was very fair. You have 60 seconds to dig that key out of that guy's stomach. Your head's coming open like a grape. Yeah, and it changed the rules mid-game. It was like, here's the rules, mm-hmm. you figure it out. And at the final sequence where we see um, Alex and Maddie, I think is her name, like chopping off each other's body parts, like, yeah, they're cheating a bit. Like, yeah. she rips her hair out and then rips a fingernail out, which that would hurt like hell. Yeah, and then, but I've lost fingernails, so you can do yeah, that all day. And you can live. And then the game... Like, as they're in the middle of trying to compete or complete the challenge goes, yeah, whole body parts. Like, sorry, that's not good enough. Yeah. And, like, to me, that's not fair to mid-challenge be like, these are new Change rules. the rules. Yeah, unless yeah. we've established... It's a devil's deal. The, the devil's deal is the way that you play that. They're smart enough to figure out that they can give you the least. That's on you for yeah. being a shitty bridge Yeah, troll. like I don't I don't think you get the right to change the game mid-rules unless we've established the game is not a fair game. And also, the game is called Truth or Dare, and the premise of Truth or Dare is you ask me if I want to tell the truth or if I want to take a dare. Yeah, so, and I give you a very specific dare and a very specific truth. Yeah, so if, if the game's going to be unfair, then I feel like... At the very least, the characters should have a choice of if they want to take the truth or the dare. They should be presented an option. There's only two truths in the whole thing. It's all dares. They're the easiest truths, if you know the weight of the game. Yeah. But the two truths happen in the first half. Yeah. And then the There's rest no of it's... Less, the, 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 the move would have been is instead of whatever the fuck happened at the end of this film, which I'm not going to ruin it for you, but it winds up with two of these characters gasping for breath following one of the dares... And you don't know if they both well, lived. Character, Apparently, if you watch it with subtitles, they both live. If you don't watch it with subtitles, they both die. Hmm. And if you read the script, one of them lives. Well, no, you can, in the movie, <coughs> without the subtitles, you hear a single breath gasp in. So those, yeah, but they're, the they're breathing on point. And then one of them gasps in. But if you watch it with subtitles, apparently it, it's telling you that they're both breathing all the way through the end of the film. Hmm. So the ending's infuriating. Well, but you but, could have added an element of the truth where it's like, tell the other person what you loved about Tyler. You know? <laughs> Big Bo. <laughs> well, outside of how ambiguous the end is, what bothers me about it is, again, we haven't established... Like I said, if the game's going to be unfair, I feel like you have to establish that the game master is not a fair game master. Mm-hmm. And the final challenge, kill her, is not a challenge you can get around. Like, I guess to an extent, you could kill someone and bring them back to life, you know, with CPR, which might have been handy from yeah, a doctor. But it pushes against the work with each other. Yeah, and that's not a challenge you can take on together. So, like, I 
I need there to be a clear establishment of this game not being a fair game if that's the premise. Yeah. Because otherwise there's no point in going to meet the survivors for the survivor to say work together when they're trying to work together. So if the game's going to end with it all falling apart, then I need that tension between these two characters because mm-hmm. one of them cheated and they don't ever find a way to work together. Like I need, And thus they both die. Yeah, yeah. like I, I need there to be a greater purpose here than there is. And like I feel like it was set up easily enough that it could have been and then just not followed through for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Final point, because we're 58 minutes in. That doctor was straight up dog shit. <laughs> Fuck that dude. Definitely could have <laughs> saved Carter. If you come across a friend in these traumatic times that happened, I, you know. Yeah, he'd like him. God knows how long, because COVID... 19 is a thing in the past, but the suicide rate skyrocketed and we're not talking about that. But if you come across your loved one in your isolation at any point during this entire situation and they've hung themselves and, and they're not black in the face, they didn't find you can probably later. save that person. <laughs> he had literally just, they were watching he it on video. 15 seconds yeah. from, you know, the and time nobody, he hung himself. Nobody was like, lift him off this rope. The doctor was in the room and couldn't. Couldn't save CPR. him. Couldn't save him for shit. And he smells poisons. So give this guy an award. He smells it. He goes, that's dangerous. And then he hands <laughs> no, it. No, he says, that's like, poison. Yeah. He literally labeled it as poison. He should have gone, that's Drano. <laughs> what type of poison? I don't know. But he Could be cyanide. Poison. Might be arsenic. Who knows what the <laughs> fuck we're dealing with here. Is it, you know. Looks like flubber. <laughs> it was like a bright green sniffed it it goes yep been around a lot of poisons <laughs> <laughs> yeah and another establish the rules if we're gonna brag about a fucking doctor let's have a doctor what a fucking idiot alright love you ready yeah gonna go make some spaghetti I'm gonna get drunk Jesus. I don't know what we're gonna watch but I'm gonna get way too fucking fat we gotta finish Mindhunter you didn't watch the last I fell like, asleep yeah, in my defense yeah, we gotta finish it up. I'm gonna have to watch probably the whole thing over again because God knows how long I was asleep. Oh no, that was like an hour fifteen. <laughs> Just ca- to catch me wherever we stopped it and explain <laughs> what went down. I'm, I'm gonna read the book, so it doesn't really matter what happened. But... <sighs> so this is how I feel about your movie. All right, well, this is how I feel about your show notes. I'm gonna keep them because they're lovely and they're beautiful and they <laughs> belong like in a me. firebox. Where I can keep every single note for every single these? show. I do not keep these. Yeah. I keep. <laughs> I have every note for the past like 106 episodes. <laughs> well, you have of a thing those. that nobody gives a shit about. I, I don't care. screw them up and throw them on the floor because I love you. Mm. And I would never, mm-hmm. never, never be that selfish. Mm-hmm. But you forget we're engaged. <laughs> Very frequently. Um, but you know where I never forget that we're engaged? Uh, where? Over at Facebook, where we find all the pictures of us, you know, <laughs> on our slow process, tapping our fucking wristwatches, waiting on the courthouse to open up so that you can become Miss Kristen Bloom. <laughs> and you can go over to Facebook at... Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Or if, you know, you just want the pictures, you can get all the pictures. You never say where. Like, people I, might not know what you're know, talking about The Instagram. place where you get pictures? Instagram. 
at Nightmare Box Productions. Uh, or if you, you know, want to see me tweet once a month, you can do that over at Nightmare Box Pro. Because I fucking hate Twitter. It, it, it doesn't make sense. It's not how we're meant to communicate. It, fuck it. Uh, or you can go over to youtube.com slash Nightmare Box Productions and watch The Dolls. You can watch Happy Birthday when Kristen and I eventually get around to finishing the new film that we're working on. You can watch that and the next one when I get around to writing the next one. Um, <laughs> or you can go to youtube.com slash Kristen Pennington and you'll see all the fantastic things she's done and continues to do. If you want to see what we've done together, you can go to our website at... You remembered it. The Nightmarebox.blog. Uh, where you can see the pictures section i think we've got a script section Mm -hmm. now so if you guys want to try to make one of the scripts you can just go for it like maybe you don't have a writer in your life but you got some acting friends and a camera fucking do it up and send it to us over at our email at nightmareboxproductions at gmail smooth as shit on the transition Mm. um and you know, if you don't want to do any of that, if you want to pay too much money for a book that's too small, you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or, you know, eBay, literally fucking anywhere, hunt down a copy of uh, The Madman Diaries, a collection. Uh, you'll see a short story in there called The Dolls, which is the birth of technically where we are right now. Uh, if without that story, there would not be that film. Without that film, there would not be the Nightmare Box. Without the Nightmare Box, there would not be the Madman Diet. No, mistakes were made. Podcast. It was a mistake. It happened because I bragged about my transitional skills after having go. four beers on a podcast. <sighs> Did we get them? Yeah. Is that all of them? Yeah, for what? You want to tell them the good news? We got an email that says that we might be in the top 200 of one of the categories oh, somewhere yeah. on fucking iTunes. I can't figure that out. So, so you, if guys you know are how awesome. to figure that out, let me know. Yeah, or you could just like rate and review the shit out of the mm-hmm. show. and um, Share. Yeah, share it. Fuck it. D- 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 write a review. Take a picture of the review. Send it to us over at... Nightmareboxproductions at Gmail. And uh, we'll post it up on the Facebook page and directly call you out i will be your friend i need more friends be my friend all right i love you sweetheart i love you and i love you guys and uh i'm gonna go off to make dinner and drink and one of these days we're gonna start a patreon and i'm gonna have a post show cooking show where it's just me listening to led zeppelin and getting too fucked up and then Kristen coming in sober and going, what the fuck are you doing with your life? But, <laughs> uh, but until then, we'll see uh, you on Friday. preserve us. I love you, love. <laughs> I love you. And I love you guys. Yeah, fuck it. We did it twice. Twice <laughs> the love. Happy COVID!